everyone, and welcome to the Living with Power Hope podcast. I'm back with you. My name is Lena Ebuchamra, and I'm your host. I'm so glad you're here. Everybody knows by now that every couple of weeks on the show, I invite a friend to join me, and we just talk about hope. We talk about how we tend to lose our hope. We talk about how we get it back, but more importantly, how we keep it for good. And so today, I am so excited to lead into the conversation. We're going to be talking about hope when I'm trying to figure out my messy life. And that was a very um, general way for me to keep the conversation open because my guest is one of those guys who's just going to talk about a whole lot of difficult things and, and just really show amazing grace and hope. His story is just a story of amazing grace. And so uh, I want to tell you a bit about Marlon and then I'm going to bring him into the conversation. Um, Marlon Washington is a newer friend of mine. We met a year ago at my church. We're in a church plant together and I have just watched God's hand on him. This guy, honestly, seems like he can do it all. He is a musician and a worship leader, and I have seen him just flourish in his gifts. And more, more recently, he started writing songs, which I'm sure he'll tell us more about. Um, but what I've seen and what has impressed me the most about Marlon is that he has a heart for God that is bigger than I can begin to tell you. He shines for Jesus, and I am really excited to see how God's going to use his story to encourage you and help you catch your hope back if uh, you feel like it's dim today. So Marlon, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. It's uh, fun, huh? To talk to the computer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it, it's it really just, honestly, I, I just wanted you to tell us a little bit about yourself as a starting point, And I know we've got a lot to cover. So give us a little background. Who is Marlon Washington? Who is Marlon? Okay. So I grew up in the South suburbs of Chicago. I grew up in a Christian home. Um, I am very goofy and <laughs> I'm very creative. And I, uh, growing up, I found out that I was a little weird and didn't always fit in. I definitely sat at lunch tables by myself uh, and wondered why. Um, I am a musician and an actor. So I was a professional actor for three years after college and God really blessed that. I Decided to follow Jesus at the age of 22. Uh, the day before I graduated college, the real world scared the crap out of me. And that's Literally what the it, day before, huh? Yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's what, you know, got me to actually choose to follow Jesus for real, not for my parents' faith, not because that's just what the, my whole family was doing, but for myself. And from there, I was an actor and God met me and showed up big time uh, in my acting life. And then he asked me to lay that all down to show me what else he could do. And then that's how I became a musician. Um, and that's sort of where I'm at today is being a musician, sort of opening the door to songwriting and seeing what that looks like. So that's a little bit. Well, of and, yeah, that's a good overview. I want to kind of loop back in and sort of lean in on some of the things that I know about you and sort of bring the head of this issue with hope, of course, that we want to focus on. But um, just some out of curiosity, like how did you how did you get into acting? How did you know you were an actor? Um, so I had I was always comfortable in front of an audience. So like in church, they would give me the you know sillier roles, the more uh, outrageous roles because they knew I could handle them. And then I sort of quit for a while. And what happened was my friend in high school came to me and said, hey, the high school's doing this show where they need black people. Uh, can, can, <laughs> That's bad, <laughs> but it's good. <laughs> come audition, you know, and I was like, okay. So I went and auditioned and got a supporting role in wow. 
uh, this really big musical that my school did. My high school had a really uh, well-funded theater program. And from there, I really caught the theater bug. And I started to just fall more and more in, in love with it. Started listening to a lot of musical theater. Uh, started to really just find a place where I, where my my excess energy, my craziness, my silliness found a home where it could be harnessed well. Now, I mean, I don't know. I'm a doctor. Like, I don't totally get the arts all the time. I try. But mm-hmm. they sort of have a reputation of being sort of a crazy world, right? Especially for a Christian. Like, talk about that a little. Is it oh, a, like my. as you turn yeah. your life to the Lord, <laughs> how did how you balance those two worlds? Oh, my goodness. Lena is uh, so... What happened was, so I, I had decided to follow Jesus the day before I graduated, but during college, I had done like 16 productions while in college and was just fully involved in the theater program. And when I decided to follow Jesus, there was this month and a half that I had to choose before I left for my first acting job in Idaho. And in that month and a half, I like chose, like I was like, I'm following Jesus. I was diving into the word for myself. I was doing devotionals, praying, all of meditating, all of this. And so then I left for my first job and it was college all over again. Like when I tell you Satan just really shot all of his arrows towards me, I'm talking just when it comes to sex and just alcohol. And then once I came home and I was acting in the Chicago area, um, it was it was really hard because in the acting community, it's very much a belief where as long as you're not hurting anyone, you do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. And that's really the mindset. So crazy is just sort of allowed. And it's a very promiscuous, uh, wild world. I mean, and now don't get me wrong, it's very friendly, very welcoming. Um, but with that is shared with just very a lot of openness to whatever you want to do. And uh, I was I've definitely been offered sex um, multiple times through just just being in a cast. I'm not you know, it wasn't even like someone I was trying to date or something. It's just this is just what the culture is. Um, Just very, very open ended, free willing. It was very tough. Well, did you ever in that because you were a Christian now, right? I mean, yeah. you gave your life to the Lord. You had grown up in a Christian home. Did you doubt your salvation when you kind of went into that lifestyle for a while? Because, and I know you've shared at church, like mm-hmm. it, it was it's messy, also not just like a you know a you know sort of wrap it up with a bow monogamous relationship. I mean, with not that you know it's all sin. I get it, but like you were just it was a colorful experience from my understanding yeah. in in those years. So how did you reconcile even being a Christian? Did you ever feel like maybe I wasn't real about it or was it more like just ignored that part of it? Um, I, I guess for me, I'm a go big or go home type of person. So when I told God I was going to follow him, I said, for real this time. And I really told God, I said, if if I'm going to follow you, you're going to have to show up. Um, and that really helped me solidify that I was like, I'm doing this. I think one of the biggest moments that really solidified that was when I was in Idaho doing my first acting job. I had not I had not gone down the path correctly. I, I was definitely opening up the door for sex. Oh definitely opening up that door. And there was a moment when the Holy Spirit sort of caught me in the midst of darkness and was just like I thought we weren't going back to this. Yeah. And I literally had to make a decision 
and pick up my feet and literally run away from sex. I had to run like, and then lock my door uh, and then ignore knocks on the door and text. And so I think once I made that decision, I was like, okay, I guess I'm really following Jesus. Huh? I just ran away from sex. You know, Uh, I guess, I guess this is real. And then from that point on, um, I had sort of really committed. So as I was acting, I really, in my acting career, I started to really look for God's faithfulness, even in shows that um, yeah, I was being persecuted or, or being approached. I sort of had made up in my mind after that first incident that this is what I do now. Um, it, it was hard just because people would be like, wait, you you are you you don't have sex you don't live our crazy life and there have definitely been times when I was like I just want to be around Christians right now because there's too much pressure to have to be to be feel like I'm the only light in this cast and when you're in a when you're in a cast for a show you're hanging out with these people before and after the show you're family, right? it's it's like a family so you're it's this intense intense uh, community for a few months. And so it can be very overwhelming to stand firm. But I, I think God had been showing me his faithfulness so much that I had to stand firm. Well, and you didn't leave the acting sector because of that. You just felt like God was saying, lay it down. I've got something new for you. So bring us into the new season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... That new season, at laying it down was very much uh, my, I had already, my audition, my, I had an agent and my auditions had already started, you know, dwindling. And um, I had started leading praise and worship at my church where I was uh, attending at the time. And people kept telling me, you need to get educated and whatever this leading thing is, because they, they saw something different in me than, than, than any other worship leader they had. And um, I was like, okay. So I started looking at graduate schools for worship leadership. And I didn't want to go back to school, um, to a traditional school. And, and I told God that, but I was willing to do it if that's what he wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I had a friend that told me that there was his, his church helped pastors plant churches. And I'm sure they had a program for the arts creative guy to come alongside that pastor and plant with them. And like the Holy Spirit sort of went like ding, 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 ding <laughs> and inside. And that's when I was like, I think that's it. And I started this program, which was very unorthodox, where they were willing to train me and teach me how to be a worship pastor Wow. without having to go get a degree. And I was like, yes, please. Uh, so from there, I uh, from that program, I left and I did worship leading for two and a half years at a church in Oak Park, Illinois. And then uh, my health, uh, all of a sudden, was, I was in serious health issues, diagnosed with severe depression, and I had to step away from that church. And then um, I ended up jumping in with 180, uh, the church that you and I go to. And yeah. from there, uh, my health still continued to get worse. Um, and that's where we sort of are today. Is Tell me a little more about that, Marlon. Like, 
when you talk about your health. So you went through depression, but it took a really serious note. I mean, talk about, I mean, I want to talk, get the feeling of what you were living through during that season when you were walking, what sounds like a dark season in your life. Maybe some of it's still sort of lingering, but tell us a bit about your relationship with the Lord in that and sort of how you fight the darkness. Yeah. Um, so I think it, it, it comes from that foundational relationship of being a child of God, being his son, being his kid, as I, I like to say. And in the darkness, I was very suicidal um, on a regular basis, not just like once or twice. It was a daily thing where I would have thoughts of death or, or, or a, a planned way of suicide. And the Holy Spirit really, I started to experience the closeness of God more than I ever have because I, once again, just like when I told God, when I first decided to follow him, I was like, God, I need you to show up. Like, this is really dangerous. It's really scary. I don't know what's going on. And in that, the Holy Spirit would often whisper, suicide is not an option. Um, mm. And that was something that the Holy Spirit would whisper to me, like, that's not an option. Whatever, anytime I would have a thought of, of, of any type of death, he would always say, that's not an option. Um, and then um, when I almost did attempt to a suicide, the God, God was smart enough that he sent one of my friends to come visit me because something was wrong. And the reason why I didn't a- attempt suicide that evening was because my friend was there and I was like, I don't want him to have to wake up to that. So God was putting in guardrails. And even though, even though I I don't like the fact that God literally had me dancing on the edge of death, um, he was protecting me. And so it was this dark season of God still saying, um, it's not an option to kill yourself. And it's also, um, can you deny that my hand is working in your life? And I said, had you like grown up with issues with depression or was that all new? No, it was very new. I had nothing. None none of no one in my family has ever like announced out loud that they're dealing with mental illness. I am like the first. So um, I had no idea what was going on. And so. So when this was happening, were you. like when you were in a church, you were leading, were you like sort of living too, like was there, did people know you were struggling with this? I mean, how does the church respond to this or did they not know? Did you hide it out of shame? You know, how did it all come to the place where you were able to talk to people about it or get help? Um, It came to the point that the night when I almost attempted suicide, I talked to my pastor about that. And then um, he sent me away for three weeks to a clinic, a mental clinic uh, to get help. And so by that point, it was announced like Marlon is dealing with severe depression and this is what's happening. And so, however, you know, when it came to how people actually dealt with it in the church, you know, um, I present my depression. Even with my depression, I present very well. I present very like, um, okay. Yeah. Um, And. So people don't know to ask. I had to continue to tell people, no, I'm still not better. No, I'm still not better. And they would look at me confused because they're like, but you've got a smile on your face. Um, Luckily, I had a lot of people, though, that were willing to let me stay in their homes. There was a solid 
three or four months where I was not staying at home. I couldn't, I couldn't sleep at home. I wasn't safe to do that um, and be alone for that long. So there were a lot of people at the church that allowed me to stay in their homes. That's pretty cool. And they, so you didn't feel a stigma or was there, like, did you feel some people look down on you in the church because, or was, is that some, like people, I would think I would be worried about it. Like if I had a, any major issue like that, that, that how would I tell people and what would they perceive? You know, it's all yeah. rooted obviously in fear of man, but did you feel any of that? Or was that, were you so, you know, like how, how? Yeah. I, you know, I, I didn't feel any f- because at that at that point when you when you when it's announced at the church i guess the only (laughs) you know when it's announced at the church you're sort of like well i guess it's out there um the only thing i did have an issue with is that people started treating me like the sick guy right they're like oh marlon's not well marlon's sick and i i used to i just used to hate that um but on the other on the flip side there are also a lot of people that treated me like there was nothing wrong Um, Mm. they, I had to continue to remind them once again, that something is definitely wrong with me. There's something going on in my brain that isn't right. And I'm trying to get help. And so most, the most frustration I got out of this was people not understanding that I was still sick. Right. Um, Why do you think, why do you think, I mean, just observe, I mean, you're a millennial, I would say, right? I mean, I am. Yeah. So why do you think there's so much more struggle with depression in this generation, I think, in particular? Oh, I think overall there is, but yeah. I see even in the young people more. Well, I think, so my depression, it comes from a place of overworking my gifts, overworking my talents to overuse them. Um, I'm a very, I'm a naturally a very charismatic, um, silly uh, very uh, open sort of guy, but I was overusing those traits in order to find love. And Mm. I feel like for our culture, with the millennial culture, with with social media and the comparison that's going on, I really believe that people are overusing and over over pushing certain traits to be noticed, to be loved. Um, And when you've got a social media platforms like we do, where there's so much comparison, there's so much look at me, 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 look at me. You've got to do something to get people to look at you. And that's really unhealthy to go be functioning on that high uh, octane sort of mindset all the time. Uh, I 100% agree with you. I 100% agree with you. In fact, even in the ER, I would see teenagers coming in and they would like, they would make statements of suicide on social media to garner attention at times. And there's, it's so complicated, but I, I think what you're hitting at is so critical because I see the church playing the same social media game often. I don't think they think of it as a social media game, but like this whole effort of, we always have to be up and getting people to follow. And this is an amazing service and more baptisms and more. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's exhausting. It's exhausting. Absolutely. And I, and I, I don't think, I think we don't, we're suffering from that and not realizing what's causing it because, you know, we're not catching on that it's an exhausting way to live. It's not sustainable. And the, the, the only reason I know this is because I was told the way you're living life is unsustainable. And I was like, oh, well, I can't be the only one. And then I look at social media and I look at the churches and it, it is very much this race to 
get noticed, to get looked at, to get looked upon. And it's not necessarily for service of of good or, or works that we're doing. It's it's like look at all the cool stuff that you can get on a Sunday morning, uh, right. and and all these things. And it it can be it can be a lot dam a lot more damaging than what we think it is. Well, and the su- struggle for significance, because if you don't get the responses, you start feeling like what you're doing doesn't matter. And oh you sort of take out this whole element of what the Lord is pleased with. And, you know. Yeah, I think that is that's something that I've been God has really been working on with me is learning to just be and to just be loved because. I was living in this mindset of I got to be doing something significant. I've got to be doing something worthwhile. And God, one reason why this whole depression came on is this God was like, "Whoa, mm. you're working so hard for me to love you and you're not realizing that I love you just because you're you." Amen. And it, there's this thing of significance of you've got to be you feel like you've got to do something to earn my love, but really I loved you, but while you were still my enemy, you know. Uh, How? What are some practices, Marlon, that you've done or that you do now to reinforce that the fact that God loves you just because you're you, like without you know having to perform? Mm. What are some things you do practically? Yeah, so I use Ephesians chapter one, where God says that He chose us before the foundation of the world, um, and that it was His good pleasure to love us. And um, I actually sit and meditate on those verses and I remind myself that I'm loved before the foundation of the world. Um, I actually have to sit, take time. It's silence and solitude and mm-hmm. literally sit down and, and, and listen, to, listen to God speak words of love over me. I ask him to. I ask him, like, show me that. You know, like, can you affirm that? Um, another verse I use is in Romans chapter eight, where uh, it says the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Um, and I ask the Holy Spirit to bear witness with my spirit that I'm a child of God um, and sit in that. And so one, one thing is with having to find significant, having to find significance with doing nothing is really what God is teaching me. And that's, that's the practice that I'm doing is how do I sit and just be loved for That's so powerful. So how did you, how do you get good at that? Like how long did it take you to get to a place where like, how do you, you know, when do you know, okay, I I think I'm, does it take you six, like hour? I I think about it sometimes. I think we're so budget. Like I've got 15 minutes for my quiet time. Right. Right. You don't stop in that time. Bam. You know? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it now I can do it a lot faster. I can do it within like a minute. I can like get to a centered place. I did it on the on the train home today this morning. Um, but it took a long time because the Holy Spirit kept telling me to just to be, just to be. I used to get so frustrated because I'm like, what is just be? I don't get it. <laughs> right. And I, I, I feel the same frustration. Like I'm right. like, give me a list of how to be. You know? Yes. Yes. I was asking for a list. I was like, just be, and then do what? And God was like, that's the point. You think that you have to do something. So it took. I would say it's taken at least at least a year to get to a good point where I can get into a quick rhythm of just being and reminding myself that I'm loved. But it took it took a year of me not fighting it 
because I always wanted to earn something. And um, I still sometimes want to earn, but I think I've gotten to a healthy place where uh, I'm because of that, I'm longing to just be with God. Like now there's a hunger where I'm like, oh, I need, I can feel it. Like, I'm like, I need to just like go sit and be with God. And I just need to sit in that. And through my pain, so I was also diagnosed with fibromyalgia. So which caused me to um, need to lie, lie down a lot. And so with that, I was learning to be silent. I was learning to be in solitude. And I was and in that time, I was learning to just be because there was nothing else I could do. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I, I hate, I hate to say like, well, I learned through <laughs> yeah. my body being wrecked with, with illness to be silent in solitude, but I think anyone can do it by really just setting aside time to find verses that you need for right now and your point in life and meditating on those. And I think all of us need to be reminded that we matter and that God sees us as significant just because we're his creation. Oh, I agree completely. And so how do you, one question in that, how do you not stop dreaming? You see, so so it's like you're mm-hmm. there, you're being, but you're not killing the dream. You still have desires for the Lord, but they're submitted to him, surrendered to him, right? I mean, yeah. it's not like you're saying, okay, I'm not going to ever do anything for the Lord anymore. Mm-hmm. So how do you keep hanging on to that ambition or desire, or whatever you want to call it, loosely oh um you know i stopped dreaming when he asked me to give up my acting career Mm. because it was painful to give it up um i was willing to do it but it was painful and i I sort of actually told god you know i said no more dreaming no more no more meet my passions and desires. You tell me what we do and that's what we do because I'm not getting hurt again. So, but what's really cool is that I've actually started dreaming again out of this darkness. Um, Holding on to that hope is seeing God's hand provide for me. Mm. Um, I can't deny that he's real. So one thing that happened was uh, I got put on sick leave with my church and the first three months of my rent was covered from a friend and the friend really told me point blank to my face. This was not my idea. This was Mm. not, this was God's idea. The first three months of your rent is covered. And so, you know, things like that happen and I'm like, okay, God, well, (laughs) clearly you are in this. Clearly you are with me. Clearly you, you, see that I, you affirm that I matter. And it's things like that, that happen that help me start dreaming again, help me to hold fast because I'm like, God, I I see your hand. I see you're clearly there. I can't deny that you're not. Um, Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I agree. You tend to think of God's favor when things are good. And yet you're talking about his favor in the middle of this darkness. And I think that's what hope is is being able to see his goodness when you're not waiting for, oh, when, when everything is better, then I'm going to trust God. You're just like, he's with me. I, he's here. I believe him. And you can feel that in your words even. I think that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. One of the one of the verses that I really clung to is Jeremiah 17, 
7 and 8, which is, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is, is the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. And I'm sort of like, okay, God, I am trying to be this man. Like, I'm, <laughs> I am trying to not be afraid in this heat that I'm in. I'm trying not to be anxious in this year of drought and, you know, my leaves still be green and still yield fruit. Um, I think this is where faith and hope really is put to the test. And I think, you know, one thing that I've understood about God is that he loves to show himself faithful to his kids. Uh, He is not, he is overjoyed to show himself faithful. And I think a lot of times uh, Jesus followers are afraid to ask him to show up. Yeah. And we're afraid to come to him so boldly. Um, but my one of my life verses is Hebrews chapter four, verse 16. Therefore, go boldly to the throne of grace where you might find grace and mercy in your time of need. And so I go boldly and I, I really tell God when I tell you like simple things such as, God, I don't know if I can make it through the day today. How are we going to go to this meeting? How are we going to do all these things? And then the meeting gets canceled. Like it, it's <laughs> it's awesome. small baby things where I'm like, you care that much? Yeah. Like you, and I mean, there was one day when I was in bed and I was like, God, I don't even want to get out of bed today. And one thing that he challenged me on, he was like, be depressed with me. And I'm like, what? And he was like, I need you to be depressed with me. You're so you're trying to be healthy good. for me. You're trying to be good. And what I need you to be is be what's actually happening with me. And so I was like, okay, I can try that. And he was like, are you still my son? I'm like, yes. Are you still my child? Absolutely. And he was like, so do you think we can get out of bed being my child? And I was like, I think we can. But the thing, the thing about it was God wasn't calling me to like, you know, build an ark and do something big that day. He was just trying to get me to get out of bed. The fact that he cared that much. The fact that he is so was so present in where in meeting me where I was, um, that's what really the hope was, was that I was seeing God intricately weave himself throughout my everyday needs. And that's what that's what gave me hope. And I would use his scripture to be like, this is what I need to see in my life today. And he would be like, yes, let's let let me show you what that looks like, what that feels like to live with me in this very step-by-step, you know, as much as that sounds like a cliche or like this one day at a time. Right. To really, walk though, is it? Yeah, to, but to really live that, to really live in a sense of like Jesus is right next side, right beside me. He's got, I've got to walk with him to figure out how we're going to get through this day. Um, and that wouldn't have, the only way I would have gotten gotten there is through the severe depression and the fibromyalgia to have me rely on him that much. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about even what you're saying, why people don't ask. I feel like we Christians are scared that if they ask and he doesn't answer sometimes because we want him to answer a certain way, mm-hmm. like it puts to doubt, you know, we start thinking, does he even, does he like me? Does he love me? That, you know, that sort of negative thinking, but we miss a lot in that. I mean, that it could not be the right time. I mean, all of those things that, you know, we know as Christians, like why God doesn't always do exactly what we, you know, mm-hmm. it, I think we still demand of God instead of trusting him. And you're in a place, at least again, from what I can hear, 
you trust him, <laughs> whatever reason. I mean, you, right. <laughs> you actually trust the Lord. And, and, and the cool thing about seeing him interact in the little things is that you're right. He is, he does. I mean, this, if, if nothing else, I mean, I'm encouraged to like pray for the little things, because as you see God do those little things, I think we put everything in this big thing. Like, like if you're single, God, I need a husband. Like if you're, right. whatever, you, you know, we make it all about this one big thing instead of seeing him in every moment in our lives. Yeah. And and I feel like that's one one thing I always in reading scripture and understanding God just longs to be known, and God isn't known through just these big, right, big acts. I mean, He is known through that, but then people forget. And there's so many different facets of God and who He is and His character, and He longs to be known by us by His creations. And so, you don't get to know a person by just one one big event and then it's oh, over. Right, right. It's a lot of little runs and it's, a lot of yes. It's, it's, it's and so you know, I one thing that I breaks my heart so much for God is how much He just longs to be known by His kids, um, and in that we get to see who He is. Hmm. Do you, um, this, this is left field a bit, but just going back to like with your sexual struggles back before, yeah. and whatnot, do you get tempted anymore or is that a completely healed area of your life? Like, is- uh, Yeah, no, I definitely get tempted now. Um, it is, it's just very much, you know, the fr- one of the fruit, part of the fruit of the spirit is, is self-control. Amen. Um, and I fully believe that that is what's happening inside of me. Um, one of my other life verses, I have two. The other one is Second Corinthians twelve nine, where it's therefore I would most gladly boast in my weaknesses, so the strength of Christ may rest upon me. Um, I tell God I'm weak every day, every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I basically I have to acknowledge that I have attraction to both sexes, mm-hmm. uh, to both male and female, and I don't try to turn that off or run away from it. Um, Quite the contrary, I boast in my weakness, and I say, God, if this, in in the beginning, when it, when when I was first really starting to deal with this, I said, God, if if this is what your word says about being attracted to the male half, that that's not what your will is, then I need you to keep me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was another moment where I was like, God, I need you to show up because. I don't know how to deal with this. And quite frankly, my church doesn't know how to deal with it. Most, <laughs> most Christians don't know how to deal with it. So I'm, I'm flying solo. I'm flying solo in this. And so I need you to show up. Uh, Lena, when I tell you, uh, he has sent a guy to the hospital for me. Mm. He has asked me to once again, deny like sex, deny things like that. And like, I felt my flesh ripping from my spirit inside. That's what it felt like. You know, um, I've asked God to show up and keep me. And and uh, I do believe that he'll keep you if you want to be kept. Uh, and so it's really been, that has been the thing that has taught me to trust God the most uh, because I've seen him keep me. Um, it, it, even when it came like even to, to pornography, I just went, I took, I took the laptop. I pulled up the website, I pulled up a porn website and I said, Lord, this is what the problem is. And I need your help to get through this. And so, you know, I've always just known to go boldly to the throne of grace and ask him to, for Holy Spirit, you have to make the difference, the difference that our flesh can't do. 
Um, and so for so so I do still struggle, but I I I'm very keen on what my weak points are now. It's very much like Lord, I'm weak today. Like I just tell them, I said everybody is just attractive today. Um, so, <laughs> um, and but and and I'm okay with that, you know. God, because God has kept me over and over and over and over again, and His provision has been so clear that I'm okay that that's my choice. You know, I have friends. I was talking to a friend this this past weekend who was like, "So you still acknowledge that you have attractions to males? So you." You does that mean like you might get a husband one day? And I'm like, no, I'm only dating women. Yeah. Uh, and and to him, that must sound like I'm su- like squelching my yeah. Yeah. natural intensities. But I was like, no, quite the contrary. I'm acknowledging it, but because of God's word, mm. what it says, I no. <laughs> and we've got. Well, you believe God? I mean, this is. I just love talking to you. You're a man who takes God at his word and you're living the life of faith. I just think this is incredibly refreshing and, and inspiring and awesome. Well, thank you. I, <laughs> I, I, it. I mean, this is exactly, we just spent 30 minutes talking about what Christianity is. And I think a lot of people are not living this Christianity. You are living in the power of the Holy Spirit. Ah, well, thank you. That's, that's what, I've always, you know, when Lena, what's funny is that when I started really learning about the Holy Spirit, I thought I was practicing witchcraft. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because no one really talked about like how to follow the Holy Spirit growing up. And so the Holy Spirit started speaking to me and I was like, what is going on? It's yeah. so, um, I think that I agree with you. I, I believe that a lot of Christians aren't getting the full benefits of their salvation and that they aren't really jumping in and saying, okay, God, what what does the power, the same power that raised Jesus from the grave lives in me? What does it look like to live with that power every day? Um, and I'm and be willing to ask God that. Um, but I don't I don't think we're taught that. I agree. I agree a lot. I mean, and I think honestly, and you don't want, you know, blame social media, but I think the message that we see to, to kind of come full circle back to this, like in social media, if you're basing your faith on social media, Christianity, you're not going to get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're not in the word, I mean, the word comes out of you, flows out of you. I mean, it's part of your life. And I think that's what God is using. You know, the spirit uses his word to change us and we make it so complicated, huh? We do. We make it we make it about rules and regulations often just because our minds can wrap around that easily. Um, and, and we don't wrap our head around the fact that God has sent his spirit to bring him glory and that his spirit is there. Like, I think a lot of times people think that they still have to do it in their own strength. And well, we want, yeah, like we want a formula for a simple life, a happy life, whatever we think is happy. And yet it is in pain. And that you actually meet God. Like this is sort of the theme that you see in, in the Bible and in real life, you know, and you, and yet we, we resent that and we want to protect against it. If we would just trust that God is somehow going to meet us in whatever circumstance he gives us, which is what he's done in your life, frankly. Yeah. And <laughs> it just, in really big ways where I was like, Whoa, yeah. this is, and you know, I mean, I'm even to even just talk a little bit about, about songwriting. The song I'm releasing tomorrow is about that. It's about, mm-hmm 
it's called Only Jesus Can. And it's, you know, the chorus just says, Holy Spirit, I am helpless on my own. I cannot win in your power and my weakness. Let your redemption begin. Like there is this, the reason why I write songs, the reason why I'm, I feel God is calling me to this is because to help people understand how simple it can be um, to call on the Holy Spirit and say this there is a there is a power that is available that can change my life. Amen. Well, we're going to link up to the song when we run this podcast. And so uh, if you're listening and you want to hear that song, uh, we'll have a link ready for you. Marlon, how can uh, do you want to bring us here to a wrap? How can people reach you or connect with you? I, you talked about so many challenging things that, as we mentioned, the church is not always talking about, but really God is using people who have lived this and are living it. How can people reach you? Uh, they can reach me on Facebook, Marlon Washington. Um, that is where right now you can find me. That is the, the, the best way. Good, I like it. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's, thanks to Mark Zuckerberg. We have our own. Right. It's awesome. Well, and you guys, if you, um, you can obviously use, you know, message messages on Facebook, but if you want to reach Marlon, you can also email me, Lena at livingwithpower.org. Marlon, I got to tell you, this has really been a joyful conversation. I, I honestly, I feel hopeful and filled with hope. Not not just watching you, but the hope of the Lord is in me as I hear what's in your life. Oh well, that's well. Thank you. It's, it's an honor and privilege. Thanks for having me. It's really, um, it's been a testament of God seeing who God really is, and I think someone like you fighting for that, fighting to find those stories. I just really appreciate and say thank you um, because I think this is what the body of Christ is is sharing our stories of faith and encouraging one another and you being a facilitator of that is exactly what we need it's been such a fun conversation guys i know you're gonna have some emails to me Uh, again lena at livingwithpower.org remember to keep your hope in the lord stay strong look to him and we'll meet again in two weeks love you guys so much have a great day